0: Hello, and welcome to Self-Taught Devs. If this is your first time joining us, this is a show where two self-taught developers discuss the learning and growth experience for folks just getting into the industry. My name is Eric Winklespecht. And I'm Matt Ehrlich. Today, we're going to kind of take a step back and do things a little bit easy, move away from some of our more structured shows and interviews, and just kind of have a chat about what we're doing, what's on top of mind, and how our experience is going so far. So Matt, I'm going to throw it to you, my man. Let's start with some stuff that's on top of mind for you. What do you want to start with?
1: Yeah, I really like this idea because um, I feel like we we usually have this way of just asking questions and sort of interview style. Mm -hmm. So we sort of like open up what we've been going through recently and talking about it. And um, one thing that I've been focusing on lately is just taking all of the pressure off of myself. When I started learning, and um, especially after I quit my job, I was like, okay, it's game time now. I've got to figure this out now. Like, I need to get that developer job, and if I'm not working towards that, or if I don't get that job, then you know I'm—I don't know what's happening. Like I got to figure something out. But recently, I've kind of said, you know what? Take some pressure off yourself. You know, give yourself some time to learn and and grow, and really get that first role. And if that means getting something on the side to supplement the income, then that's fine too, right? I I don't have to dedicate, you know, 10 hours a day, every day to this. I can also take some time to just work a part-time job or even a full-time job and, you know, focus on code after work or on the weekends or something like Mm -hmm. that. And I think that's really important for us career transitioners because it, it does feel like there's a ton of pressure and I think, sometimes yeah that could be well deserved but also sometimes we really just put it on ourselves Mm -hmm. and that could really take a toll after a while yeah
0: i mean you and i did this the same kind of way right where we were like we're just going to quit the job we currently have because whatever our reasons were and you know we were uh we kind of set ourselves up to be in a position where we could take that time and fully invest in the learning but it is an added stressor right like all right, well, if I don't make this work, what happens? Is this wasted time? Did I make the right decision? Did I just kind of, you know, screw myself over and and leave a career that I should have just toughed it out in? There's a lot that kind of goes through your mind and it does add a lot of pressure and makes things feel a lot worse than they really are in reality. It's definitely good to change that course, right? I've been kind of thinking the same thing where it's like, all right, I've been at it for, you know, learning for a year. And I know I can make this thing work. I know I've got the skills now and I've, you know, I look back from where I started and it's obvious to me like how much better I am now and what I know and what I can do. But there's a lot of external factors here, right? It's not just me. It's not just you. It is the state of the economy. It is layoffs. It is what's out there, who you know, your network. I think everybody has the same kind of advice for getting a job and it's all sound advice and it all makes sense. But like, I don't know. Especially, you know, I know in networking, like you're not just walking up to people and be like, hey, give me a job. Like those things are really long term relationships. And this is a long term process, especially when you're talking about, like you said, career changing, you know, and we're not coming at this with a degree. So it's harder for folks to make that jump.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think what we're talking about now is a bit easier if you already have a previous career like if you're not just fresh into it looking for your first job without a a degree Mm -hmm. um, you know if you're doing that that might be a little bit more difficult but we both you and i already have something to fall back on where we could say okay you know what i'm still going to pursue software development and, and engineering but maybe take a step back and fall back on my previous skills and figure it out from there. I think that's really important and something maybe to assess every few months Mm -hmm. because you don't want to be burnt out the entire time and be constantly stressed and worried about the bills and paychecks and and the future. That I think that might make somebody quit Yeah, and um, it could be difficult to deal with. Whereas if you take this as something you're doing with your free time and you have all that other stuff taken care of, it might be a little bit better and, and easier on your journey. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, man. Like looking at this as a uh, as a stressor, is learning software engineering and trying to make that journey stressful? Of course it is. But if all it is to you is stress, then like why would you keep going with it, right? Like you said, you're going to quit. People are going to quit doing that kind of stuff. I don't think I would have changed the way I did this. I think I'm glad that I was able to put so much time into it. And I feel like I got a really big jump forward. In my learning, if I was just doing this part-time from the start, I'd be a lot further behind where I am now. So I'm, I'm happy that I did it. But same thing, man. Like, yeah, it is it is a necessary step to do something different to alleviate that pressure and figure out what that is.
1: Yeah, for sure. 100%. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I'm happy that I took all of this time because I would also be a lot further behind if I only had, let's say, two hours a day to dedicate to this versus pretty much all day. So mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm happy right there with you.
0: So what are you doing now then? Yeah, maybe. How how are you deciding to split your time? Cause like, are you looking, so you said you might be looking for part-time or full-time work in addition to doing this. So what is, what is your kind of plan at the moment?
1: I'm still dedicating a large portion of my time to growing and learning as a developer, but I'm being a little bit more strict with my time. And some of the extra time that I have, I'm actually looking towards, okay, how can I use my previous skills? to bring in an income right mm-hmm. now. And I've been taking that time that I used to put towards cold applying for software developer jobs and now applying for other positions that fit my previous experience. Mm-hmm. So it's not a great addition of time. Um, I actually quit cold applying for software jobs. I was, I was getting nowhere with that. And, um, I also just didn't really care for it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I've been, I refocused that extra time.
0: Yeah. I, I think that's a smart move, right? Like. I've been doing the cold applying thing on and off. I've done it more on in a, in a recent stretch and the numbers just don't work out. You know, like you can go and you can cold apply to as many jobs as you possibly can. And like I've gotten maybe a few responses that way, but the majority of responses you hear are just rejections and they're not even like good rejections. They're just automated email rejections and you can't get any legitimate feedback. So like that sucks but you're going to make a lot more headway applying to things that you can utilize at previous experience because it's the career change method. You know, you have to assume that there are folks applying to those same jobs that have more experience than you one way or the other. But if you're utilizing that previous career, you've got a better standing to make that kind of application process work.
1: Yeah, for sure. And also, I've been thinking of ways to get outside experience versus like direct full-time experience. Mm -hmm. And um, I think recently I've learned from some of my connections that open source is a really cool way to go about doing that. Right. Because especially if you're making significant contributions, you know, I've seen some repos where it was like, I need help rearranging this button or, (laughs) you know, this HTML here. And I'm like, you know, that won't really look good on my resume. But if you make (laughs) significant contributions on a very active repo that um, other people are using, that's really awesome. Mm. And that can go under a section on your resume called like open source contributions. And Mm. that's an indirect way of getting some experience on there. So I've been thinking about that as well.
0: Have you have you done any of it yet? What is what is your current standing in the open source world?
1: Yes. So there's there's a few ways that you could go about doing it. You can do a search for issues. They have certain issues that are really good for like first timers. And you can sift through that. But that was a bit of a frustrating process. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because, you know, if you're looking that way, there's two problems that you face, one of which is inactive repos, where like, The issue is still present, but no one's worked on it for the last two or three years. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, well, this doesn't matter. And then there's also when you find a repository where it's like, oh, cool. Like, this is a cool repository. This is an awesome issue. You click on it and someone else is already assigned that issue, right? So you're like, oh, well, I guess I can't really work on that one. So that could be a bit difficult. But also maybe looking for and searching for an open source community via Discord or Slack or, or some other way there you could find some success and sort of talk to people. And sometimes people might need specific help that they're reaching out for, and you can Mm -hmm. be the first one to be notified on that sort of uh, issue or repository. Mm -hmm. That could be beneficial.
0: Yeah. Yeah. My experience with open source has been limited because I I kind of had that same, that first thing you talked about where you're like, look through open issues on GitHub and, and see the first timer stuff. And like, all of them are just so outdated or like, like you said, assigned to other people. And it was just A challenge to sort through. I haven't really done it recently, so that's kind of on me. But you know, I like the idea of trying to find a community of open source folks working on something and just kind of join up with them. I like the idea of volunteering too. Like I've been having a hard time finding volunteer communities. Like there are a few that are pretty popular that I've reached out to and just haven't heard back because they're volunteers and they're doing stuff and they're busy. But that's that's something I want to try to dig more into myself is like maybe try to stay a little more local and see if I can find, you know, local volunteer organizations that don't have a very strong web presence, or need an application, or something that I can help get up and running for them. So, that's on my agenda.
1: I like volunteer. I think it's, um, I think that's a very cool indirect way to get experience. I've also been searching and haven't gotten any feedback yet, but um, you know, hopefully something comes through with that. Mm-hmm. I, I like the idea of sort of donating your time and uh, to people who need it, and then you also get that added added experience. I feel like it might be a little bit more rewarding. Mm-hmm. So I've been looking for that also. Yeah.
0: Can I can I jump topics? Can I talk about something that's been on my mind recently? For sure. I have been researching prompt engineering. Do you know what prompt engineering is? I have no idea. Okay. Prompt engineering, basically with working with AI, right? So have you used ChatGPT at all for the stuff you've been doing, Matt?
1: Yes, I have. So what do you, what are your thoughts on it? I think it's really great. So I use it for a few things. One, if I'm looking through like a a code base that's new to me and I Mm -hmm. want to figure out what's going on, I could take a snippet of code and put it in chat chat GPT and say, hey, explain to me what's going on here. Mm -hmm. And then it'll explain it piece by piece. And I'm like, oh, okay, now I understand. And and I could read this a little bit better. And I learned from it that way. What I first started with was sort of translating code from JavaScript to TypeScript. Mm -hmm. That also helped me a little bit understand um, TypeScript a bit better. So yeah, it helps with my learning a lot. Yeah.
0: I haven't really used ChatGPT too much until just recently starting into it and learning about prompt engineering. So prompt engineering is just like, there are specific ways you can go about interfacing with AI like ChatGPT that'll help make its responses a lot better than what you might otherwise get if you just put in a question. And part of that process is like, you start off by assigning it a role. And you're like, all right, you are AI. You are a JavaScript and TypeScript developer and you have 10 years of experience, and you specialize in React, and then you can go into like your questions, and you're like, I have this specific scenario, and I'm trying to do this specific thing, and you say things like, please ask any qualifying questions you might have before providing your answer, and explain everything step by step. But then depending on what you're giving in, sometimes it's going to be like, okay, cool, I need to know these things from you, and it'll list out some like criteria, you answer those questions, and you have a better I mean, it's not really a conversation, right? But you have a better conversation with this AI and you get a lot more out of it than you otherwise might have just by saying like, hey, how do I do this thing in React? And it's a super interesting concept. And I've even seen so much as folks like working with it in a way that they kind of go back and forth with the AI and they agree on terms for like pseudocode language, where it's basically like, oh, I'm going to provide you pseudocode. And the way they communicate back and forth after assigning this role they agree on like, all right, I've got this uh, this structure that's like almost like YAML files or just kind of, you know, uh, or like just a list of like, here's the component and here's some functionality and here's the thing and here's some functionality. ChatGPT can write code for you, but you get much more consistency in the code you get back that you otherwise might not have gotten before. So from what I understand in my limited research, prompt engineering is kind of a big deal, especially for folks like you and I who are trying to get our start in the industry like by no means do i think that chat gpt is going to replace a developer job i think there's interesting things that it can do now especially like you know the recent thing of like taking a picture and then feeding that in and it just kind of reproduces and gives you all the css code and stuff like that That's really cool but it's not going to be able to reproduce an entire code base at a large complex application like an enterprise level application understanding how to use code and how to read code, and how to ask the right questions, those things are still super important when it comes to interfacing with an AI. And that gives me a little bit of confidence of like, okay, I'm not getting into this at a bad time. I'm not going to be replaced with the skills I just learned over the past year by an AI, but I do need to be aware of what AI brings to the table, and I need to be able to understand how to utilize it effectively, and just make sure that I am relevant in the industry that is evolving around me, rather than just kind of staying blind to it and not using it at all.
1: Yeah, I think it's important to know and take some experience to know what questions to ask. Cause, like, as they say, you don't know what you don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. we're still doing where we have to prompt a chat GPT and ask for the answers that would specifically solve a problem. And for you specifically, what prompted you to start looking into this? Did you see a course? Did someone else recommend it? Like, how did you get involved? Yeah,
0: honestly, I just kind of stumbled on some videos on YouTube when I was just doing some research on engineering stuff. And one of the things was prompt engineering and just watch a, a short course on it and watch some other videos on it. Of people doing kind of the same sorts of prompts to get this thing set up. And up until that point, just like a week ago, really, I had never actually utilized ChatGPT in programming. So I was just like, well, I'm going well, to just try it out. Right. Because I need to work with the tools. It's just another tool. And it was cool, man. Just just felt like having somebody at my desk where I could be like, hey, how do I do this thing? And it just gave me the answer in a format that was easy to understand, like talking to a senior dev. And it was a lot faster than trying to Google the stuff and stitch those pieces together myself. You know, like I kind of gave it a problem and then tried to research that problem the similar way through Google. And it was just, the world's different.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, say if you're looking for something through Stack Overflow, you can get an answer, but it doesn't specifically apply to your specific scenario. Yeah. Whereas Chat GPT, it'll give you specifics like to the exact problem that you're facing in the ex- exact way that you're mm-hmm. facing that problem. Yeah. And I find it so much easier to learn that way where I'm like, oh, it explained it to me in a way that I understand. And now I fully get and can grasp my error and how to fix it. And I think it's been super, super helpful uh, for that specifically. And since starting, I've actually I have a I have to make a note here to ask GPT for answers because sometimes I forget that it's a resource that I could yeah. use, and I'll spend way too much time looking in a different way. And like, and if I could just get a quick answer to this, that'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm still getting used to asking that question never yeah. getting that answer from chat gpt yeah
0: i will say i'm glad i didn't use it earlier i'm glad it wasn't around when i first started learning especially cuz i don't feel like if i just started using chat gpt right away in the in the learning journey here i don't feel like i would actually have absorbed or retained a lot of the knowledge you know i still feel like i had to learn a lot first before i'm able to utilize ai as an actual tool that's going to make me more productive right i'm not just relying on it as a crutch but i am utilizing it to be effective and to be efficient i understand the stuff that i'm asking about you know i'm not just like build me a whole program you know i'm working on components or i'm working on stuff in the back end or whatever and i'm like what is the best way for me to do this like i have options that maybe i've already messed with but now i'm like what is a you know best practice method of doing this kind of thing you know and i'm like all right cool this is what 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 experienced developer would have given to me you know and i'm getting through this ai and Again, there's the caution of like sometimes it's just wrong and it doubles down when it's wrong and it like, no, oh, this is this is the right stuff, which I personally haven't experienced, but I've heard anecdotal evidence about. So, you know, it's not perfect, but it is just another tool to utilize in your tool set and don't don't fall behind, right? Like get started now because it's only gonna get more powerful and you wanna just stick with it and
1: and be around for for its evolution. And also I think it's important to stay disciplined when you're using AI, or mm-hmm. else you could really you could literally just copy and paste everything and then figure it out from there. Whereas if you're if you're staying disciplined and only asking for it to explain it to you in a way that you would understand, then it's I don't think it's much different than say taking like a Udemy course and having an mm-hmm. instructor explain it to you. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I could definitely see that and you have to like hold yourself back a little bit and not just copy and paste the things that's yeah. there or else you won't be learning and growing and you won't be really challenging yourself to get through those problems mm-hmm. my goal is to utilize it more like a prayer a pair programming partner
0: more than anything else you know act like i have a senior dev sitting here with me at my desk and ask questions when i need to but do everything else on my own figure out solutions on my own and only turn to it when you know i absolutely need to try to look something up or or figure something out more it's fun man i recommend giving it a shot and incorporating it into your uh your regular workflow
1: yeah for sure um I want to segue a little bit yeah. to different roles in tech. Yeah. So I went to a conference yesterday called DevOps Days here in North Carolina, and it was a really awesome experience. First of all, I know absolutely nothing about DevOps, and I was talking to a bunch of people there, and they might as well have been talking French because I didn't understand <laughs> anything they were saying. But to see some of the tech sales folks and, you know, some people in other roles kind of talking about like their passion and how they passionately talk about things and utilize tech and there are different roles in tech. I was like, wow, yeah, these are skills that I have already and I could use in tech and just opening your mind up to different roles in tech that you could uh, possibly have Mm. to sort of segue indirectly into a developer role. I think that's interesting too. Um, and something another thing that I've been considering recently. And also when you go to things like conferences or meetups, I think it has that added benefit of just going up to people and talking. Mm-hmm. Now, I was an introvert for most of my life and I still am. In fact, I was that person a group of people who'd be looking at their phone, like pretending to do something so I could avoid the awkwardness. Mm. And going to tech conferences and speaking with other tech folks has really opened me up to just being like, hey, nice to meet you. And just starting a conversation and learning from them. I think that's really important as well. And uh, Mm. another thing that I've been working on recently.
0: Let's dive into, I want to hear more about your experience in the tech conference and the roles you were hearing about. And then we'll talk more about Kind of just developing that skill set of being a conversationalist. So, what other entryways have you been learning about, Matt? Because I've personally seen a lot about like QA developers. You know, just kind of writing tests and making sure you've got the quality assurance there as an option. Only one thing I'm really aware of. But what else have you been hearing?
1: Yeah. So uh, QA. There was also DevOps, which I'm personally not very interested in but Mm -hmm. it was cool to see passionate people talking about it in a way that was like really exciting. I think that was certainly beneficial. And also there were um, like tech sales folks who had a little, like a display and they were just discussing a technology and you could really tell the difference where some people were using like really, really technical jargon, DevOps jargon, which I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And it went right over my head. And some people took that explanation and really dumbed it down for a non DevOps person. And I was like, wow, this is a complex topic, but you made it sound like super simple. And I get it right away. And I was like, you know, that's pretty interesting. Like, is this a possible career choice for me? Cause now I love talking to people and networking and, you know, my previous career, I used to do tabling events and doing the same kind of thing. And I feel like that could be really interesting and rewarding. So that was something I was thinking about as well. Like, yeah. hey, I love describing the sort of things that I'm interested in to other people. And maybe that's something that uh, I can pursue as well.
0: Yeah, You know, product manager
1: is another thing that I,
0: I forgot to mention earlier. Like that is another, uh, I think, entryway into the development career path or could just be another career path without getting into development role. Right. But like as a product manager, you work with a team of developers and you work with everybody else and you kind of understand the needs of a product and you know what a user base is looking for and what features they want and you take that and you translate it and communicate with your development team so we can turn that into code or you take their challenges and go back and talk to other stakeholders so you can translate technical things into non-technical terms like you were kind of just saying definitely a thing that i started looking into recently and probably should look into a little bit more because that was kind of what i did in my last job Towards a good chunk of it, like two years of it, was just literally working between both sides of the house and building new tools in our system. So, like we kind of mentioned up top the journey to make this transition and how it's not necessarily going to be a linear path. And that's okay. And this is going to take a long time, and we might need to figure out some new methods of getting there that maybe you don't hear about too often online. And folks that are, you know, maybe just talking about the different ways of applying, maybe there's another method here, and we should be talking about. How do we kind of zigzag our way through various roles to get us closer to what we want and eventually land that developer role that we actually want to do? How was your experience then just getting up and and talking to people there? Like you said, you know, you've kind of been the introvert and it's been hard for you to do. You've been networking so much over the past year. How are those skills carrying over? It's a little bit different, right? But you've been doing video calls and phone calls with people. So talk to me
1: about that. Yeah, so I now that I have a larger presence online, I think um, the assumption is that I'm always comfortable doing this sort of thing. And it's quite the opposite. I'm never really comfortable uh, networking and talking to people, but it made me understand that, okay, who am I talking to? I'm talking to a person. That's it. Basically just another person. They have uh, things that they enjoy. They have, they have problems. They have things that they like to talk about just like me. So like, what's the big you know, stressor right here? What's the big deal, right? Mm-hmm. So the more I sort of realized that it made it so much easier to talk to these people. And it makes it so much easier if you're in a space where you know that person is interested in the same thing that you're interested in, right? If you're going to a tech conference, what are the people they're interested in? Tech. And mm-hmm. if you have some knowledge or background in that, then you could have certain prompts or, or conversations uh, with the people in your space and it makes it a lot easier one thing that I would do is at these tech conferences there are sponsors and they set up tables and they give away like you know free stuff if you talk to them and sometimes what, what a lot of people do is they'll come up to the table they'll, they'll take the free thing and walk away but if you do that you you miss out on the opportunity to just talk to these people so what I was doing was going up to them and, you know, they were giving me their little pitch or their spiel on their product. And I was just like, what do you like about working here? Like, what do you like? What do you enjoy about the company? What sort of things do you like to do? You know, what are your interests? And you could see like, the conversation shift and they, their demeanor is a lot different. And now they're just another person that I'm talking to. And mm-hmm. I find it super easy to make meaningful connections in that way. Where you're not focused on the product or the end result and you just want to have a simple conversation with another human being. Yeah. It's weird
0: being in that environment. Like I haven't had the opportunity to go to a tech conference just based around like the developer roles or things like that recently. But I definitely went to a lot of conferences when I worked at my previous company and had those same experiences where people are like, you know, the vendors are there, the manufacturers are there, and they're at their table and they're giving away their little freebies or whatever. And you go up and they go right into their sales pitch and you're just like, Hey, whoa, slow down. Like, you know, when I was at these events, like I'm there with outside sales folks who are, you know, going to customers and selling these particular products. So they need to hear these sales pitches, right? My role, I wasn't doing that. So when I go and hear these sales pitches, I'm like, hey, that's cool. It's great to be informed about your product, but also like it's not super relevant to me. So like you are saying, like start a different conversation and see where that leads. Because, yeah, they're just people, right? They're just people trying to figure it out. We're all just people trying to figure it out. Not to get too philosophical, (laughs) here, but uh, it's a a much cooler way to, you know, you create the conversation you want to have, you know, and I think you've said a lot about networking before where you're like, don't just go out and look for an opportunity to get something from this person, look for an opportunity to make a connection with this person and see how you can provide value. I think it's cool that you were just like, let's have a different thing and let's take a break from you being on so much about
1: your sales thing and let's talk about this instead.
0: Tell me who you are. It's nice.
1: Yeah. And, and what also helps is, you know, like I mentioned, I had no idea what I was doing with when it came to DevOps and a lot of the, even the engineers that I was talking to, they're like, yeah, most of the time I, I really have no idea what I'm doing. I just kind of, sometimes I wing it and figure mm-hmm. it out on the fly and I'm like, Oh, well that's <laughs> interesting. And and it makes it so much better when you're talking to somebody who's super personable and who could bring themselves down to your level because mm-hmm. you have such a better conversation with that person. And then who, who knows, maybe, um, You have a really good conversation. You ask for their LinkedIn or their email, and then you could take that conversation outside of the conference and continue Mm. it there. And who knows what that might lead to. Um, And also I have a pro tip right here. I've gotten some feedback about like going to a conference that some folks can't afford it and um, me either. And I don't pay to go to tech conferences. Mm. So what you can do is a lot of these conferences need volunteers and if you just send them a nice email saying hey i'd like to volunteer you spend a few hours maybe the day before the week before volunteering and they give you a free ticket to go to the event Mm -hmm. for all of the days so if you can't afford it now you can you know now you have a way of getting in so don't make that an excuse now
0: Mm. matt's pro tips man we're gonna make this a section of the podcast matt's pro tips i like it very good a few. Do we we have enough time here to just talk about maybe some of the stuff you've been working on? Because I've been seeing updates from you uh, on Brookfield and I want to hear about it.
1: Yeah, so I'm publicly building my application Brookfield, which I previously built, but you know, I did that a few months ago and I look back at the code and I'm just thinking like, wow, this looks like crap. And Mm. since this is a project that I'm really interested and passionate about, I wanted to spruce it up a bit and add some features. So i've been making some really good progress with it i've been taking my time this go around i'm not rushing through it and it's been a really interesting experience so far i'm using typescript which i've been learning recently and um that has its own difficulties where Mm. you know i would take in let's say some data before from i don't know an api or something and i would be like cool it works i expect it to work whereas now I could use that same API and then I'm getting those errors up front of like, it doesn't fit a certain type. And then you have to figure out those errors as well. So that's been a really good learning experience. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I've hit some roadblocks, which I've been very public about on LinkedIn. And it's been a cool experience figuring out how to solve those problems.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I saw your last video from today or yesterday,
0: You we were talking about Google Maps integration and trying to like click on a location and, and do something with that data I'm sure you'll figure out a solution to manipulate that stuff and move that data around. But it's it's definitely cool to be working with TypeScript in a project. And I think when I was first using TypeScript in my last project upfront, it just seemed like a hassle where at first I was just like, "Ah, I'm hitting all these errors that I wouldn't otherwise hit in React. And I need to understand how to make types or interfaces for my props and make sure that TypeScript knows what I'm doing, even though I already know what I'm doing. And it was just kind of annoyance. But as I've used it more and more and as I'm using it on my current project, I was implementing a lot of functionality and like TypeScript saved me some errors. I typed things incorrectly or didn't realize that I was receiving a number instead of a string and like TypeScript let me know. And that was super cool. So like you're going to hit those things. You're going to be like, oh, yeah, this is this is the point of this thing. And it's definitely worth
1: using. Yeah, for sure. I still think it's a hassle, but I I accept <laughs> it as a necessary hassle. And I'm, mm. I'm understanding as I'm building a, a larger project with TypeScript why that hassle is important and why I should make note of it. Sometimes it's still a pain in the butt to deal with, but mm. I- I'm learning, and it's been pretty interesting. And for this one, it's my first project that I've actually used alongside with ChatGPT. So mm-hmm. that's been a lot better. Where before I would maybe reach out to someone or I would spend way too much time trying to figure out and getting stressed out about a certain problem. ChatGPT helps me figure out why I'm having that problem in like 10, 15 minutes, and then I'm able to solve it on my own. So that that feels a lot better too. That's something that I'm learning to to utilize for this project.
0: Yeah. And it sounds like you have a lot of functionality planned for this thing. Do you have any kind of timelines for yourself? Are you just like, whatever I'm doing, I'm doing, and I'm just going to keep rolling forward and keep putting videos
1: out? Yeah, I wanted to give myself a hard stop at a month just because I wanted to take time and really process everything. Whereas before my projects, I kind of just like rushed through them. Um, so I'm taking more time and they're coming out way better now that I'm going slower and actually thinking things through. I don't want to spend you know forever on this project and have it trailing on forever because I want it on my portfolio. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think a month is plenty of time.
0: I think that's solid. Are you working on it daily or are you just, you have certain days you're, you're going through and doing stuff?
1: I'm trying to work on it daily, but um, I'm also doing other things like DSA or trying to contribute to open source or find, you know, volunteer opportunities to go along with it. So I'm sharing that time with project building with those other responsibilities too.
0: Cool, man. I dig it. I have uh been working on the We Should Watch project. I just put up a video today on kind of my latest updates, which I did all of yesterday. <laughs> Made Most most of that stuff in that video, because right, I haven't really worked on it too much recently, especially because like, I was on vacation for a little bit. And then, you know, kind of just went into job search mode and also trying to redo my schedule and stuff like that when I got back. So getting back into that project has been fun. And I just kind of dove in and I was like, let me do a bunch of this functionality, do the authentication uh, with uh, next auth, which is. Because I'm using Next.js for this project, and they're updating or they already have updated Next Auth, so it's not just Next specific because it was previously. Um, so you can use it in other ways, and other frameworks and stuff. But man, authentication with Next Auth is like it feels like cheating. It's so simple and easy to get it set up. And because I had done, I tried to use Passport.js in a project a long time ago, and I hated every second of it because the documentation not good, videos on it not good. And like, I just had such a hard time. I wasn't using chat GPT to help figure it out. But I just had such a hard time trying to get it set up. I'm doing next Auth, It was just like, you add a file, you put your wrapper, you, you know, do one or two other things, and
1: you're done. It was just like, game changer. Wow, that's awesome. I was <laughs> um, thinking about using Firebase for my project. But it sounds like yeah, next off Auth- is really simple, Mm -hmm. and it it can be frustrating going through documentation. Sometimes I complain about documentation. It's because I've looked at really, really great documentation before. So I'm like, hey, uh, this project over here um, has really great documentation. So what's your excuse, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. sometimes, yeah, trying to read through those things and figure figure it out on your own can be difficult. So I'm happy that you found a really simple uh, solution for authentication
0: yeah, and it was, it was super nice to get set up. And now I've been doing you know just the other rud functionality stuff of like how do we make these components interact correctly with the backend and make the updates I want to make and you know assign the groups that I'm making for this this project and add media and all that stuff. And now it's just kind of flowing where I'm just, you know I got past the initial problem with the only problem I had was setting up authentication actually wasn't anything to do with next auth or authentication itself. So when you use next auth. You know, it does like the the OAuth stuff, right? So um, you can just have like the Google button sign in or GitHub or whatever, let's say sign in with an account. And there are some steps to link the account like you go into like your Google Cloud platform and you know, set up the API and link and make an OAuth screen like those things aren't too terribly complicated. There's good videos out there to follow. But then NextAuth also allows you to do an email address sign up. You can type in an email, click a button. And then you can have an email go out to that person that says, like, click this button to sign in. So you don't have to make a password. Super cool. But in order to do that email out, you need something to allow you to email. So there's like node mailer, which helps generate and send emails out. But you still need like an email server to do that. And there's a few different options. You used to be able to do it directly through Gmail, but now they don't let you do it unless you're like a trusted app and like in development. I'm not a trusted app, so I can't use that. And there's another company called SendGrid, which basically all they do is like do this email out stuff. And I made an account and I linked it up and everything was working correctly, except for the fact that I wasn't getting these emails. I'm like, what's happening? Like I see in SendGrid's like dashboard, my email should be going out. It says it's connected. I see the the attempts, but I'm not getting these emails. What's happening? And then I see this little flag notification at the top that like my account's on hold and under review or what? (laughs) I didn't do anything. I just requested an account. I think it took two or three days of going back and forth on this like request support ticket of just giving them information of like, hey, I'm just a developer in training and like, I'm just building a personal app and I'm not doing anything suspicious and I'm only going to use it. And like, here's what I'm doing. I finally got it approved and it's working. So that's cool. But that was so far, that's been my only real hiccup in, in doing this project. <laughs>
1: Well, that's good. Actually, that was going to be my next uh, question. Besides authentication, w- what sort of other um, issues that you faced or, or problems that you solved? But it mm-hmm. sounds like it's just been authentication for you.
0: Yeah, honestly, like I feel so different doing this project than I have in other projects. Like this is one of those like wake up calls for me where sometimes I feel like like I'm not good enough and I shouldn't be doing this or whatever. And then I go through when I work on this project and I'm like, oh man, I'm like breezing through a lot of this stuff and manipulating data and you know taking in api data or sending data from my back end and then needing to do something different with it on a front end and just how much easier it is to think those things through and write code to handle those things in an efficient way and like i chalk a lot of it up to dsa stuff and we'll definitely talk about that another time well like i feel the improvements in where i am and what my skill level is and even watching back and like editing that video that i put out today of of my kind of walkthrough on my uh functionality there and like hearing myself talk about stuff, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm okay at this thing. I can I can do this.
1: <laughs> yeah, I want to say real quick, like, you do an amazing job at explaining code and explaining what's going on in your applications. Like, you know, sometimes you watch a YouTube video and they go from A to like, you know, D to like, you know, J or Z, and you're mm-hmm. like, wait, 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 there's a little bit more information in here. Whereas you take it slow and and really explain step by step what's going on. I think you do. A really awesome job at that. And I'm trying to learn from your examples at your setting. So, you know, congratulations on that. Thank you. It's uh it's challenging because
0: I have to keep in mind the because I'm just posting this on LinkedIn. But I just have to keep in mind LinkedIn is a 15 minute time for videos. If you, you can't post anything longer than 15 minutes, so I record and I'm like, oh, I'm at like 20 minutes. Is this gonna be okay? And then I try to edit down like the spaces where things are loading or whatever or you know, I'm moving things around just to make it a little snappier. And thankfully, I hit the mark most of the time. But it is definitely a skill that you practice, right? And I think, you know, you're doing the same thing by going through your code and, and doing your videos. I wonder sometimes if my videos are a little bit too long in general, right? Kind of because I end up being at that 15 minute mark. But I want to do what you're saying, like I want to do those, like, go through this code and kind of explain what's happening and why it's happening and you know walk through those lines a little bit more in depth and really show what's happening versus just like, on my screen and show that things are working, you know, I want to, I want to show off that code. You know, I want it to be as public as it can be. And I want to allow people the opportunity to look at the code I'm writing and give me feedback if they want to give me feedback. Building in public is all about showing your progress, right? So it's just in the
1: lower for me to show that progress. Absolutely. And if you made a course, I'd definitely watch it. I'm just saying, <laughs> just putting that out there, you know, one of those things yeah. I keep thinking
0: about. I think we did it, man. I had a fun conversation here. It's been it's been good. You too. Uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. And if you can do us the kindness of leaving a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice, we would greatly appreciate it. And also, if you're not subscribed, please go ahead and subscribe on your platform of choice. We are coming out with episodes every Friday. For Matt Ehrlich, my name is Eric Wigglesbeck, and thank you for listening to Self-Taught Devs.